Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. What's up, Fungal Associates? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees. Casey, I almost said trains. Honestly, that would have been great, Alex. <laughs> Another related podcast. Yes. Wow, what's happening to my brain, Casey? Uh, we only talk about trains and other related podcasts. Yeah, so, so what are some train-related podcasts that well, we know of? Well, there is the Coal Podcast, which talks about coal-fired steam engines. And then there's also podcasts relating to tracks of different uh, sizes. That's right. I'm Alex yeah. Croson. I'm Casey Clapp. I am your conductor today. <laughs> and I'm the caboose. Alex is the caboose. You know what? There's not enough cabooses in this world. Casey, I agree with you. I've thought about this a lot because a lot of people don't know this, but I actually have a, a I got a thing for trains. I think trains are sweet. I get. I think you know, to, like being into trains mm-hmm. is sort of like a joke. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, re- this kid's really into trains, you know. But I, I also think trains are pretty cool. I'm not a, yeah. I'm not a vehicle guy. Oh yeah, I'm not mm-hmm. one of these men who loves vehicles. Yeah, machines. I don't really give a shit. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> my old coworker assumed that I was into cars. Oh yeah, and talked to me for like forty five fucking minutes one day Ooh. about this car or something. Like, it's like here's the engine, here's his profile, here's yes. all this. Yeah. And okay. I had to like, mm-hmm. oh wow, oh nice, and like nod and stuff. Do you think you could do a podcast about cars with him, just the same <laughs> as you do one about trees with me? No, I'm far more interested in naturally interested in trees. Uh, than oh, I am sweet. In cars. Okay, oh, that's good. That makes me feel really good. But the conversation <laughs> went on so long where I couldn't. I I went to I went too long and I oh, couldn't yeah, say, couldn't hey, by the way. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't. I don't care about the last 45 minutes. Well, I hope you don't do this like later down down the down the road. And you're like, yeah, I had this coworker. He talked about trees for like two hours every day, right? And I never had the heart to tell him. I don't know what a tree is. <laughs> I don't care, dude. Is that the same as a train? <laughs> it's about the same as a train, Alex. Casey, uh, here we are today to talk about trees. Yes, we are. That um, is true. I don't believe we have any business up front. Although, hey, I'll give a little. Uh, I'll give a little audio update. How Please about this? Do. Um, we'll call this the waveform. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's the official sound effect. Yeah. Um, we are now recording. I, I last week. I think it was last week. Yeah. I said that we were recording on Pro Tools. Yep. Our first session on Pro Tools. Correct. My official statement now is death to Pro Tools. No, wait. Long live Studio One. I think that was a week before. I think we're. I think last week you had already switched to Studio One. Was last week death to Pro Tools? I think so, yeah. Wow. So I think we just have to reiterate death to Pro Tools. Yes. I will say it again, too. Yeah. Death and, to Pro Tools. And as always, death to Pro Tools. <laughs> it's like the, the Roman commander. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. Okay. 
Casey, we're talking about a tree today, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it happens to be a house favorite as far as I know. It is. I'm actually a little, I think everyone's a little surprised that it took us this long to get to it. Yeah. I saw an Instagram comment today that said, finally, <laughs> uh, because somebody guessed what it was. Stunning. I have yeah. to say, whenever you just put the wood, even I'm like, that's impossible. Can't be done. There are people who know it. They or are. Or at least are good guessers. They're way out there. Like, I'm just, for whatever reason, I have specialized in certain things and other things I have to just say, I'm not going to go that far. Right. It doesn't interest me. It is the cars of the tree world. Wow. Mostly, it's like identifying trees by their wood. Sometimes it's kind of obvious. Sometimes you can kind of have a guess. Sure. But it's really challenging for me to look at wood and be like, oh, I... I I don't know. And you just don't care. I just don't care. It doesn't really... I'm not a, a wood products kind of person. Sure. I'm a living tree and how they do things kind of person. Once and if the, it's, yeah. Once yeah. the tree is harvested yeah. and out of nature, your interest is harvested with it. Exactly. And it goes down really low. Like I'm yeah. still interested in like a small thing. Sometimes it's fun to look at wood and be like, ooh, look what happened there. That tree sure. had this happen. But yeah, that's I have to say. So... Every time it does it, I find it very impressive because it's something that I, I cannot do. Yeah, same. I have to say. Uh, Casey, what the is wood the we're else? talking about today and the wood, uh, the tree of which this wood uh, originates... Well said. ...is the Madrone. That is right. Arbutus menziesii. I have to hold oh, right yeah. there, Alex. Okay. I was initially inspired to do this by one of our fungal associates, and... This fungal associate recommended a different madrone, the Texas madrone, Arbutus, uh, which I'm going to say is Zalapensis. Starts wow. with an X, X-A-L-A-P-E-N-S-I-S. Now, um, mm. I wanted to do the Texas madrone. There yeah. are actually, uh, let's see, I think there's like 12 or so species of madrone, and each one is kind of... Uh, in the, okay, in the genus Arbutus, there's other things that are called like trailing madrone or madrona. That's not not quite. They're unrelated. Trailing. At least not the same genus. Okay. So I was like, okay, well, which one should I do? So many people are, are so familiar with the Pacific madrone, yeah. which is Arbutus menziesii, and very few are are really super uh, familiar with the smaller smaller, less widely spread trees that grow elsewhere that we also call this madrone, this that is, madrone. This is a question of how, how deep we dive into our uh, West Coast bias. It is. Okay, this is totally it. I, I, will, I will take that badge and I will live with it. That's okay. Me too. But the other reason I wanted to do it is that, A, they're really closely related. They're not, okay. they're not like so far apart that one is completely different. The biggest thing is that they have some slight morphological differences and they grow in different areas under different circumstances on a micro level, but on a macro level, grow in the same kinds of areas under the same kind of circumstances. They just have these big geographic differences. Okay. This reminds me of the dogwood. Yes. It is very, very similar to the dogwood. Um, Although I think I would argue that the dogwood, the trees have really different appearances. Yeah. So if you stand back, you can be like, okay, that is different than that is different than that between these three trees. Yeah. And this is a really easy way to tell them apart. It just so happens my bias was in the nursery trade. They're kind of just all dogwoods. I gotcha. So in madrones, it's like the berries are just a little bit smaller, but they're the same color. The leaves, instead of being this wide, are just a little bit skinnier. The trees, instead of being this tall, are this tall. You okay. Know? So it's kind of these 
comparison differences as opposed to that one's pink, that one's white, that one has bark like this, that one has bark like this. Does that make sense? It seems pretty granular. Yeah. And that's a, that, is a, that is a wood pun, yes. It, yeah, okay. That was very good of you. Thank you, Alex. Uh, Casey. Wait, hold on. That's, that's a, the wrong kind of grain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we got to call you out there. Granular it, is like, like little bits of grain as hold opposed on. to the grain of wood. Okay, all right. I'll let, you, I'll let you fight your way out. It's a pun, but it's a play on words pun. Oh, I see. I, so it's, it's both It's a homo- together. homophone pun. Homophone puns. What completely arbitrary specializes in. <laughs> wow, I climbed my way out of that one. Yeah, you sure did. You sure did. Good job. Okay. Well, anyway, so that's my big caveat. Okay. Um, so first off, thank you to that fungal associate who, yeah. who encouraged us to do this. You are why we are doing this tree right now. Uh, also, apologies, we're not doing the tree you actually asked for. Yeah, sorry. But I did see these outside um, Guadalupe Mountains and Big Ben National Park. How actually, about that? in both of those national parks. Gorgeous little trees. They're like little gems, Alex. You saw the Texas version. Yes, I saw the Texas version. And is it true that they're also bigger? In fact, not. They're quite a bit smaller. So not everything is bigger in Texas. Not everything is bigger in Texas. Or in... Uh, no, they're both in Texas. Yeah, never mind. Casey, as we do every week, let's imagine that you and I are... How about we're taking a little coastal hike Ooh. on the Oregon coast? Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, we want some fish and chips. Yeah. And uh, But we have to walk there. Yeah, And we course. find some madrones. Yeah. Some Pacific madrones. All over the place. Let's ID this tree. Alex, it's not hard to identify this tree Mm-mm. because it stands out immediately from afar for two reasons. The first being, of course, the bark. It's incredible. You walk up to this bark, you've touched it, and you're like, oh my God. It was the smoothest surface I've ever put my hand on. Oh my God. That Truly. Is, that is saying something. It, it really was is. like air. It was so fucking smooth. They're amazing. Like yeah. and that that is they they essentially have one layer of bark almost at any time. And that bark is like a kind of chartreuse green underneath. And then the outer bark is this bright orange red. And then the green bark is like the fresh, and then it kind of fades to to this, this orange color. And peels so if you, off. Yeah, and if, if you peel it off immediately, right underneath, it'll be that chart, chartreuse green. Mm. Um, and so then most people are just going to see that kind of aged bark just a little bit later in the season where it'll be this beautiful, gorgeous orange like burnt orange brownish color it's like a bronze it is it's like anywhere between the bronze the orange the red mash them all together but in a way that's really nice so beautiful it's just it's so gorgeous and of course that peely bark that exfoliates off adds that whole extra flavor of colors because all the colors are really like bright and shiny and sparkly and like they're really just like my eyes are popping because you're just like wow this is Gorgeous. So the really smooth one that I touched, Casey, yeah. was that like in between peeling and fresh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. If, if you go to the um, Oregon State Landscape Plants and you look up their photos, which mm-hmm. we'll have this link to, it's always, it's if it is a tree that we can link to it using this website, we, we do on our at our website. Arbitrarypod.com. You go and you click on the on their photos and it is, it shows two different styles of the bark mm-hmm. because as these trees age, their bark doesn't exfoliate, kind of like the um, London plane tree or sycamores. As they age, the bark that's lower on the stem starts to kind of plate up and it doesn't exfoliate off near as much. Oh. So as you kind of go out further towards the end, um, and this shows it really well where you have the, the orange bark, which is the older bark, 
peeling off with the green underneath. Yeah. So then once that green kind of gets a couple days, a couple months uh, in in its prime out in the sunshine, it kind of fades to this orange uh, color. So I think that is exactly what you felt. Okay. It was a little bit older or it had, had already come off a long time ago and now it's just kind of chilling there. It was like middle-aged. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. So you get this like uh, this gradient as you walk up to the tree of this tougher bark that's kind of a bit more brown and it's not really peeling off and you look up and then all of a sudden it's popping off in little fits and starts then it's just like these big sheets that are coming off and then it's going from this dark reddish brown to a light tan brown to a chartreuse green Mm. and then out again to uh the tips that are kind of this gray orange kind of color yeah boy oh man it's just such a gorgeous tree it's a treat for the eyes truly it it really is and the other thing that makes them a spectacular tree to see from afar is that as the tree is growing up Mm -hmm. it almost never grows straight up yeah you don't see them as like one tall forest tree like you would expect a douglas fir or a pine or something like that which they grow with all the time now i've read that this is because it is like um Maybe I'm paraphrasing too much, and this is apocryphal, but that it's like uh, hyper phototropic. Yes, it just it grows it grows very like explicitly toward the sun. Yeah, I think that's I think that's totally reasonable. Yeah, because like a pine tree will grow dr- generally toward the sun mm-hmm. at high noon when yeah. the sun's straight up in the sky. <laughs> yeah, it grows but straight this, up. This is like oh, this it's. It's it's eight p.m. Got to grow this way. Oh, it's four p.m. It's got to grow this way. Is yeah, that even is that a thing? I, I guess they don't grow fast enough to react to the sun in real time. Yeah, they don't they don't do it per day like that. But I love that like <laughs> idea where where one tree is just like constantly freaking itself out about growing towards the light. Yeah, the reason that doesn't work is that then you'd have a tree that is constantly changing over the course of the day. Sure. So then where does it actually actually grow? You know, it maybe just be kind of wiggly and have like a an S. S S S S S S S S S all the way up like a little snake. I guess that's not totally out of the realm of possibility because sunflowers do that. Exactly. But the sunflowers, they their heads will follow. Yeah. And then but that is usually once the flower tip, the 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 end of that sunflower grows, it puts on a terminal flower. So that flower is just sitting there, it's done. So its head will move over and watch the sunshine, but it's not gonna grow up towards the sun sunshine any longer. Okay. So the difference with these trees is I think I think it's not apocryphal. I think it's a very decent way to describe it. But they grow up with a a form that is classic of most broadleaf trees, mm-hmm. a decurrent form where it grows up and out in every direction. It doesn't have a central leader. So as it's growing up and all the branches are growing out, they kind of all grow out in some direction. And then at one point, that direction either is towards good sunlight uh, or the conditions change um, or it's not. So then it grows up and then it's like, well, this isn't going to work. And it takes a hard right and it keeps going out. Okay. But then maybe another branch comes over. So then it says, well, I'm going to grow over this way. And it just kind of goes out in this wiggly formation. But even, Alex, if it is in the middle of perfect sunlight, there's nothing above or around it. It grows out in all directions like a big bushy mm. tree. But if it's anywhere near another tree they'll just grow off in like angles okay so if you're walking through a forest they they're not necessarily at like 30 degrees or anything like that they're just kind of like 
just growing out yeah. kind of to the left, kind of to the right. They're never just going to be like, there's the sun. I'm going straight up to compete with everything. They're like, no, I'm actually going to grow kind of sideways and, you know, be damned this, uh, this directionality that you guys are so into. <laughs> the Madrone says to the Douglas fir, you know? Wow. What a what a sass pot. It is. It's a sass pot of a tree. That's a great description. The oh, sass pot tree. <laughs> I don't even know if that's a thing. Uh, Casey, let's talk leaves. Yeah, so the, this is a fact I learned today, which I haven't been able to 100% uh, confirm, mm. but I did read that it is the only native evergreen broadleaf tree to Canada, or at least uh, to, I, th- I think they said all of Canada. The only native evergreen broadleaf yes i'm not sure wow. i believe that uh, okay. but it might have been just bc i'm not sure i'll believe it but yeah for us and this is a tree so it's not not a low line shrub there are other shrubs that are definitely evergreen yeah but they said tree so okay eh, of course the definition of a tree is very fluid as we know so i don't want to comment on that any further but it is an interesting potential fact Okay. And, and as what far are these, as you know, what do these ever what do these evergreens look like? Oh man, they're so beautiful, Alex. Have you when you touch the bark of this last, the other one? Do you recall looking at the leaves? You know what, Casey? I was too enamored Ooh, by well, the bark to pay attention to the leaves. But I'll give it a quick Google right okay, now. Go get it. This is a gorgeous leaf. They're very shiny and dark green. They have yellow veins that come out, or very very light green veins that come out. One mid vein in a very like ovoid leaf so it just kind of is an elongated oval of a leaf the veins come out perfectly straight and there's just the teeniest tiniest serrations all around those little trees uh those little serrations aren't really enough to make it be like oh it's a serrated tree it's so they're so minute but the 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 kind of fuzzy looking edge the really dark green with the nice perfectly uh symmetrical veinage on it just gives it a handsome look in every regard <laughs> casey i noticed that these grow in sort of like a uh in sort of like a um flower fashion like the the leaves grow in oh, bundles yeah. is that there so they're they are uh alternatively arranged yes yes that is correct they're, is that bundle of leaves a leaf uh no they are just very tightly packed okay so they're alternately arranged but they kind of pop out uh and they're very closely related to the rhododendron oh yes so they, they have that same look where the leaves are kind of all pushed to the end of the twig yeah they're still alternately arranged kind of spirally up but the spiral is so short that they look like kind of an umbrella of leaves right there at the very end and then maybe the maybe the branch before it doesn't have a lot of foliage on it yeah exactly or okay. sometimes the the new shoots can have a really nice long bit uh but then all the old shoots before that those leaves have fallen away i see and that's kind of something that makes this a, a curious uh evergreen tree is that depending on where it is alex sometimes it is evergreen sometimes it is semi evergreen ah. and i believe that is one of the first times we've introduced the idea of semi-evergreenness i didn't even yeah this is this is a wow an arbitrary first an arbitrary first that's exactly right i think there's a couple trees that one could probably argue are semi-evergreen the first one that comes to mind is the southern live oak oh um, at least that we've covered there's lots that are like this um but the madrone will be evergreen if conditions allow It'll keep its leaves the whole time. I see. If it gets a little bit too hot, too roasty, too this, too that, then it will hold its leaves 
almost to the end of winter and then they will all kind of look really awful and dead looking mm. and then pop it'll put on new a whole new flush of growth the very next spring and it will look beautiful again okay so it's a fair weather evergreen yeah i think that's exactly the way to describe it. it's fair weather evergreen so all the other evergreens are like you're not a real evergreen bro Wow. And then all the other trees are like, no one cares. Just just be whatever you want. Well, if I've learned anything about the Madrone so far is that it, it doesn't really give a shit what other trees think and it does its own thing. That is exactly right. Another thing, Alex, yeah. that puts it beyond the pale for all these other trees. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, other than sometimes the oaks, if you put your flowers out in spring, then your fruit will be coming out throughout the next summertime and then in maybe fall or the next uh usually it's fall or sometime during the summertime you will have your fruit okay so spring flowers summer fall fruit okay the madrone does not do that it actually gets pollinated delays its fruit for an entire year then we'll put its fruit out while the next flowers are coming out. Oh wow! Yeah, so it's 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 really really kind of a strange tree in that regard. Okay, where it basically says, "Hold off, waits a couple months, hammer time, then goes, and then hammer time." It is covered in these beautiful red berries. But not to take it away, they have urn-shaped flowers like the the classic um, Ericaceae stuff, uh, Ericaceae family Urn-shaped? Yes. Have you seen these up close, Alex? Yes, but I have, I have never heard the describer urn-shaped. Ah, yes. It is a very common description for plants in the Ericaceae family. How about er- that? Eric being, or Erica being the Heath family. Otherwise, the Rhododendron family or has other things like, say... Andromeda, stuff like that. Ooh, Andromeda. Yeah, it's a pretty awesome plant. <laughs> but yeah, so what that means is that they have these long um, panicles of flowers. Uh-huh. The flowers, all of their petals are fused together, so they create like this this kind of cup formation. And yeah. that, that cup formation curls in on itself and then pops open like a little vase. So it looks very much like a flower vase or a flower urn. They look like little Chinese lanterns. Yeah, it's exactly right. Upside down. Exactly. Which, well, half the time those lanterns are upside down, right? As they're kind of pushed up by the candles or something like that when they release them. You know what I mean? Right. The opening is on the bottom. Yes, exactly. And so a lot of insects really dig this because they have to like crawl up and they have like a safe space to kind of walk around and they can crawl out. Okay. And then um, hummingbirds love it and the trees are covered with them. Really? All over the place. And you can see them in early spring. If you are, are close to a madrone, you will see the flowers just go pow and just explode out. Damn. And the whole tree looks like it's covered in these big white like puffs of of just flowers it looks like little clouds kind of all over them i love white flowers on a tree it's so elegant yeah especially with a with such a dark green foliage oh on the God. backdrop oh, i can't wait to see these you said fall time they'll blow up no no no, no, no. they they bloom usually in the spring but oh, then okay. their flowers will come out in october i'm sorry their fruit will come out oh, in october okay uh, but it'll be the next october well, let's talk about these October fruits, Casey. Mm. They are berry-like. They are. They are adorable. I'm assuming they're not berries, though. You know what, Alex? They might actually be berries, but I'm not what? sure. Uh, this, honestly, my uh, what I'm reading right here right now, just says the fruit is ellipsoidal or obovoid. Uh, which means that it's kind of almost a circle, but kind of an elongated bit of a sphere. 
I will say if there's one thing I've learned on this podcast, it's that nothing is what you think it is. Nothing is. But I would say these are probably berries. I, I should really, I should have known this. But by my definition of a berry, which is generally that the, uh, you have seeds inside of a non-fleshy fruit. There's no like big pit. Yeah. I would say that that is probably what it is. But this says, uh, my next resource, the fruit is a berry-like droop with mealy flesh. So Berry-like droop. Yeah. Berry-like fruit. Berry, berry-like droop. It's very much like a droop. It is. So, wait a second. Did you say berry? Yeah. Good one. <laughs> you slipped that one in right under the radar. You're like, if I didn't notice it, everyone else been like, Casey's such an idiot. Right no. over his head. Um, so, Casey, these berry-like droops yeah. are fire engine red. Yes, they are. What a stunning picture. It is amazing. It's like the definition of fall. This tree, uh, it does. I think you're right. It, it, it shirks all different manner of tradition yeah. and what should you do's kind of thing. Yeah. And it just does whatever it wants, and it crushes it every well, single time. Speaking of tradition, Casey, should we go into some uh, Croson's homegrown trivia? I sure think we should. All right. Here we go. Plunge. There has to be some sort of... Ooh, I was waiting for you to go into like some, uh, some like prose poetry. Oh. Plunge with me into <laughs> your destiny with the Madrone tree. Okay. That was pretty good off the cuff, Casey. Thanks. I, uh, I like you're, you're a regular bust of rhymes. Oh, that's right, Alex. <laughs> I've got bust on the brain because I've been listening to lots of bust of rhymes. Okay. That dude good. is hardcore. <laughs> yeah, he is. Fastest rapper, I think, uh, in rap. Mm. Historically, I think now still to this day, though, probably. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He's, he, his, he's so like... Agro, everything oh, yeah. he's, is like whoa! Like he's really slaps you in the face with his words. He does, yeah, yeah. Art. Okay, Casey. What so this Madrone wood, uh, it is very. Uh, I would say more often than not sold as burl veneer. Now, this is something I had never heard of, but apparently the Madrones are they grow lots of burls. Yeah, they do. They grow lots of burls, but they also like have a um, a couple fungal diseases, uh, cankers that get on them. Okay, and that causes the the very outer, very thin bark to essentially get a weird ring on it. But then that weird ring will have to get uh, the tree grows over it. But then that weird ring, once it gets grown over, is kind of within the tree or becomes yeah. this weird nodule. So it's not a burl in the traditional sense where you have like one bud that essentially kind of gets cut, then gets more buds, and you get this weird, almost like cancerous kind of growth on a tree. Uh-huh. This is the tree just doing a bunch of response growth all over the place. I see. Because they're really tough, resistant trees. So where normally decay would get in and cause a bunch of trouble and then ruin that veneer wood, this, the, the veneer wood or the wood of the tree just kind of goes, Meh, okay, cool, stops growing and then gets covered over again and again and again. So you get this really oh. wacky looking uh, wood that is, it, it looks like nothing you've ever seen. Well, people love that wood, Casey. Yeah. It is uh, expensive. It is more expensive than other premium hardwoods like a cherry or a walnut. Jeez. Um, and this this sort of this wood being revered for its burl veneer uh, sort of reminded me of like 
people killing elephants for ivory. Oh, yeah. You know? yeah, yeah it's yeah. like this very specific commodity from mm-hmm. this tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the like clean, good clean wood is not that uh, is not that popular. Yeah, you don't from want this tree. it. Yeah, no. it's kind of boring. Um, so let's talk indigenous uses. Oh, man. The Coast Salish people uh, have a myth about this tree, Casey. I love this, Alex. Uh, it is a great flood myth, as many peoples around the the world independently have, mm-hmm. um, and that the madrone tree provided an anchor for their canoes to not drift away during this great flood. Mm-hmm. Therefore, to this day, it is revered as a symbol of protection, safety, an anchor. Yeah. Uh, the Salish people do not use this tree as firewood. I learned that and was stunned. Yeah. Do you know why? Why Why were you stunned? Because this tree is known to be the highest BTU wood of almost any tree you can get in the Pacific Northwest and much of anywhere around. BTU stands for? Uh, British Thermal Units. It's a measure of oh. heat. So, so it just burns really well? It burns really hot, and it's really dense wood, so it burns for a really long time. Ah. So a lot of people are like, well, if you want a really good fire, you got to burn oak. Madrones beat oak out in terms of a more quality firewood. That's even more meaningful. It totally is, because like it's the best, and they say, no, we'll leave that on the shelf. Yeah. We're going to take other things. It is really meaningful, because I would have thought that you would have... It would have been completely opposite of that. Casey, the berries of the madrone can be used. Uh, you can you can eat them fresh. You can eat them dry. Uh, you can also what is I think pro- was probably and is most popular is to make a cider out of them. Oh, however, multiple sources saying that these berries are kind of bland and tasteless. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate because yeah. they look so pretty. They, they look like they would be delicious, um, but reportedly quite bland there's a uh, another species of arbutus called the strawberry tree oh. scientific name is arbutus uh anudo. okay and apparently that specific epithet comes specifically from the idea that you can eat the berries meaning it's edible but the uno in front of that means only once they're not going to kill you <laughs> but once you eat one you're not going to want it anymore they're just that not good so, that's yeah, amazing edible only once that's very funny um there is a you can make a tincture you can make a tincture or a poultice uh, out of the bark and berries, and mm-hmm. this can be used to treat minor wounds or sores. Um, you can make a tea out of the bark, and this has notes of cinnamon, fungus, wood smoke. Gotcha. You can use this for a stomach ache, or it can also help with uh, cold symptoms, mm-hmm. uh, cold and flu symptoms. The barks and berries, the bark and berries, uh, as you might expect. Also, great dye material. Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. Everything can be harvested. This is this was my my favorite takeaway besides the Salish myth uh, that everything can be harvested from this tree without damaging it. Yeah, which oh, I think yeah. is lovely. That is really interesting. That's you, a good point. You could just walk around these trees and pick up stuff from the ground. Yeah, and it's Get like you were never you. there. What's also interesting is there's another um, another myth that I heard about this tree that adds to a little bit about the wood, but they uh, essentially pitch as a, as a thing itself uh-huh. would always go out into the Salish Sea and it would get, uh, or into the ocean at large, and it would get the, um, it would get fish, we just go out and go fishing. But it would come back before the sun came up because if the sun came up, then it would melt. <laughs> One time, it came late out of its fishing trip and melted on shore and then the other trees came over and took 
pitch and poured it on themselves. The Douglas Fir got there first and took the, the lion's share, so it has a lot of pitch now. Mm. Um, the Grand Fir came a little bit later, only got a little bit of amount. By the time the uh, Arbutus got there, the Madrone, there was no pitch left, which is why the Madrone has no pitch. Wow. I love that. It's the best. Casey, with that, we got to take a break, but we have plenty more to say about the Madrone. We'll be right back after these messages. <laughs> with more Completely Arbitrary. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. Today we're talking the Madrone Arbutus Menzizii. Hey, that's something we didn't touch on, Casey. We didn't. We didn't touch on any of those names. It's actually called Madrone, Madrona, or Madronio, uh, which is named after the strawberry tree we talked about earlier. Oh, the, it's named the Arbutus Menzizii, or I'm sorry, Arbutus Anudo. Right. Yeah, yeah, they're really closely related, and there's a whole group of them in that Mediterranean area. Okay. So when the you know Spanish people and people from the Mediterranean came over... They, of course, were like, oh, this looks just like that other tree. And they would call it, I think, um, Arbutus is the initial name for that. Um, and then the... Madr- or, uh, Menzizii. Yes. Of course, after Charles... Uh, nope. Yep. Hold on. You're so close. Oh, my God. Just I just need a moment. I'm going to leave all this in. Take all your time. Menzies. Yes. Uh, first name. Last name. No, the the first name is oh, yes. Yeah, it's not Charles. It is not Charles, but it kind of sounds a little bit like it. Barles. No. Smarls. No, more like the second half sounds like it. <laughs> it's actually Gnarls Barkley. <laughs> Gnarls Barkley Menzizii. That is the biggest twist in the canon of Completely Arbitrary. Turns out this name was a historic <laughs> reference to a botanist this whole time. Man, CeeLo Green, you guys are good. <laughs> Menzies, what, what's, what's his name, Case? Archibald. Archibald. I wasn't going to get yes. there. No, I didn't. You know, as soon as you started guessing Charlie, I was like, yeah, he's, he's gone. <laughs> I'm in the wrong zone. Yeah, and I tried to give you the idea, like saying Archibald. Archibald, you know? That's what I was hoping you were going to be like, Char, 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 Archibald. Not a bad hint, but I Mm. am as dense as the Madrone would, my boy. Yes, you are, and we will never burn you. How respectful. Yes. Am I also a symbol of protection and safety? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, Mm. yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I would tie my canoe to you any day of the week. That's so sweet, Casey. I know, I know. (laughs) 
So, Alex, yeah. now, have you seen this tree out in the wild? Like, not necessarily in a park or anything like that, just out outgrowing some random place. I'm sure I have. The only place I know for sure 100% I've seen it is at the Hoyt Arboretum. Ah, which is, that's pretty good. So this this tree is is kind of a weird anomaly of a tree. Hmm. It's only weird in that it doesn't look like it fits. As we've already said, it doesn't grow straight up and down. Right. And when you're growing in an area where the forests are 300 feet tall, most things are either going to be a an understory tree that, that is just kind of chilling. The the vine maples, a great example, or mm. the um, hazel, where every like understory tree just kind of goes me. I'm just gonna kind of chill down here. I'm not gonna do a whole lot. I'm not gonna. I don't need to fight for the canopy because the canopy is is 300 feet up. They're like there's no chance of fighting for the There's canopy. just no chance for it, yeah. <clears throat> it turns out that there are other trees that uh, do compete. There are broadleaves that are like, I'm going to compete with these conifers. I'm going to get up there to the top. And if I can't get to the top, I'm g- just going to take up enough space that nothing's going to grow underneath me. We're talking um, beach? No. Well, this is in the Pacific Northwest, oh, oh, where oh. these guys are from. Okay. So, you know, that would be uh, the... Oregon white oak, California black oak, the um How about the horse chestnut? Chink is that one pin? Of those? No, horse chestnut doesn't grow around here. <sighs> I'm sorry. You're really good. You're almost there. You're getting there. Wait, yes it does. We, we saw one on our tree track. Oh well it grows around here, but it's oh, not a not native, native species. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this these pedantics. Yeah. No, it it is um it's a tree, the madrone, that grows and does not shoot for the top, but will find uh, its space in kind of the mid canopy. Yeah. In the best of conditions, it will grow up to easily, I think, 100 feet tall. I think one of the tallest was wow. 120 feet. Oh, my God. Still pales in comparison, but when you think of where it grows the most often, it makes perfect sense. So think of the most cush forest. There's mm. great deep soil. There's enough water. The The soil is covered in thick duff. You walk under it and you're just like, this is nice. I got mycorrhizal fungi all over the place. I'm just feeling good. No stress here. You have that in your mind? Yes. I'm sort of thinking of like an old, the middle of an old growth. Yeah. Forest. Perfect. Perfect example. One of, of plentiful water. Where the air is close. Yes, exactly. A lot of fungi, a lot of life everywhere. Got it. Not a madrone to be found. <gasps> you will not find a madrone growing <laughs> there. I just got unplugged from the Matrix. <laughs> yeah, you totally did. Now, welcome back <laughs> to hell. It turns out that the madrone is known to be grown. Wow. All alone. On rocks. Oh, Casey, you were so <laughs> close, my friend. But that sounded so good. You got to end it with that, <laughs> you know? I, okay. Yeah, the, the poetic end with such a harsh word. A-A-A-A-A-A-F. Yes, you get it. So it is <clears throat> a tree that is just so specialized in survival that it actually grows in some of the least best places and thrives like no one's business. Okay. One of the most famous examples, and I will come up with several because it kind of shows you its breadth at surviving all over the place. Mm. Um, one is the San Juan Islands out in the Salish Sea, where we're talking about earlier. Oh, yeah. So the Salish Sea, for uh, those of you who are not familiar, is also what we call the Puget Sound. Mm. And that is a big, gigantic body <clears throat> of water that comes in 
into Washington and essentially creates um, a giant sea between the mainland with Seattle. And then on the other side is the uh, Olympic Peninsula. And above is the Strait de Juan de Fuca, which separates uh, Washington and Oregon. I'm sorry, Washington and Vancouver, British Columbia. It is a gigantic space of water, and the San Juan Islands pop up all over in kind of the northern section between B.C. and Washington. And those islands, funny enough, you would think, oh, they're growing like in this in the middle of an ocean. They are absolutely getting inundated with water. They must be a just a tropical wonderland. Mm. Turns out they are not. They're more like the the rocky. Uh uh, uh, storm swept yeah. type of well, island. Funny enough, not even storm. This is a, a notoriously calm watered area because oh. it's, it's kind of like a, the, a San Francisco Bay style thing okay. where it's so big, you can call it a sea, but it is not so open to the rest of the ocean where you get these big swells mm. and all the force of the water coming in. Okay. In the Strait de Juan de Fuca, you, certainly. But once you go a little bit further south, there's not a whole lot of fluctuation. There's not a lot of storm surges or anything like that. Okay. So the big thing that affects these are the mountains on the peninsula to the west. You get a huge rain shadow ah, effect. Ah, yes. Now, you can find ponderosa pine on some of the mainland areas there growing natively, like a very couple very small groves right on the east side of the peninsula. But once you get out to the islands, you get a lot of Douglas fir, hmm. which is a character who will come up in this story often. Before we dive too deep in, can I, can I quickly sum up the rain shadow effect for oh, anybody who doesn't Alex, know what that is? Great point. Go ahead. Okay, so um, <clears throat> a rain shadow effect is where uh, moisture is brought from one side of a mountain range to another. Uh, It has to go up because the mountains are so high. Mm -hmm. And so all of the moisture is dumped out at the top of the mountains. Or just on the west side. Yes, on the other side, on the first side. Uh, The the side that the wind is moving. Ah, the the the, windward side. The windward side, of course. Uh, meaning that there is little moisture on the opposite side, the leeward side. Correct. Is that right? That's exactly right. Holy shit. Well done. Uh, meaning that, uh, it's a more arid landscape. Yes. Changing what, uh, plants grow there. Yes, that's exactly right. Mostly it's based on the fact that there's less moisture on that side. So then different plants that take different, uh, moisture conditions. So if you're, if you're drawing a map for a fantasy novel you're writing, Mm Mm-hmm. If there's a mountain range, one side should be lush and one side should be desert-like. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Alex, that was was a great job. Thanks. Yeah. I feel like I blacked out for a few seconds. (laughs) Speaks a bunch of science and then comes back to, what happened? Where am I? Alex, you're in a library. It's okay. Everything's just fine. Ooh, the library that Gandalf... Uh, reads about the the ring in yeah before he panics and, yeah. and runs down back to the shire it's like oh shit do you know what's I funny found about the appendix that? yeah <laughs> i like i like that idea but like the library he was in was so far away that like he panic left and then like the next scene he's like running and the next scene he's there and i'm like that took him like 2 weeks right so it's funny to me he had so much time to like not get any sleep over this yeah. thing yeah yeah Wizards, hard life. Poor guy. Well, anywho, so this is also known as the orographic effect, which means, uh, or oro kind of of mountain. So what happens is the 
the San Juan Islands often have a wildly different ecology than the mainland areas just next to it that have different factors that are hitting them. Um, also, because they're islands, they don't have like a whole lot of water that's always hitting them. And what does kind of drains away quickly, especially the smaller the island. Hmm. Some islands are really big and have big mountains and are completely different. But um, the madrone grows all over these islands and they grow on the sides of these rocks and they just jet out over the ocean or they grow on a mainland area and they just jet out over the ocean. This Mm. is a very common thing that they do is grow in these dry, rocky, really hard soils where it looks like they're just clinging on to the side and then they just go whoop and just pop out of the rocks. Strange. They do that all over the place. No other trees except for the Douglas fir can kind of take those really dry, yet also very moist conditions. Hmm. Um, It is, the ground is dry, but you get a lot of air above that's kind of very, very moist. You're in the middle of essentially an ocean. Yeah. So um, the Madrone does it really well, which is half the reason that the Salish myth uh, that you brought up earlier why they didn't choose any other tree to be that thing because it's always the madrone that is anchored into these really like unwieldy places jutting out at a weird angle yet always very stable and just kicking it right there right by the water yeah usually right by the water or on some rocky outcrop somewhere not necessarily near the water okay so then you move south you're going further south you're still finding these madrone all over the place and you're like, well, this must be very similar conditions, and they are similar, but for different reasons. As you go down into southern Oregon, northern California, the climate changes becomes more arid overall. There's not quite as much uh, rain. The species of trees become uh, this, the the climate becomes much more Mediterranean, which is kind of like wintertime rain, but then during the summer you get a little bit hotter and a little bit drier Mm. kind of things. So you get a shift in the Douglas fir as you go west. Right on the coast, you get the biggest trees in the world, the redwoods, the sickest spruce, the Douglas fir. Yeah. As you go inland or you go up, things dry out really, really quickly. And in the Siskiyou Mountains, in the mountains south of that and down through the valley, in um, in California, you start to get madrones growing out as big open trees on like wide kind of kind of just grass covered prairie lands, hmm. or growing in what's called oak chaparral. Oak chaparral. Yes, if this is new. Oh man, Alex, so good. We're one day going to talk about oak chaparral as a forest because it's kind of a fascinating thing. It sounds like a wine. It kind of does. Yeah, I think there might be like I, I'm sure there's a, like a chaparral winery, you know. Yeah. But you're thinking like. Like, hi, hmm, I want something that's pungent, a little dry. <laughs> Could I get a chaparral, please? <laughs> An I just oak want to get chaparral. A chaparral. <laughs> oh, yes, we have some fine, fine oak chaparral here. Thank you. A 95. Oh, 95. It's hard to get, Alex. It's hard to get. 96 is swill. Yeah, it's not good. Don't, don't get it. Um, well, down in uh, Southern California and the more kind of south you go and going sort of more to the se- desertish southwest, yeah. you get this chaparral style forest, which has another thing that's very closely related to the Madrone, the Manzanita. Looks almost exactly the same, except has um, some very specific difference. So that is Arctostaphylus. Manzanita is, is a tree? No, usually it's a very big shrub. Oh, the, yeah. I, I know of Manzanita, the, the city in, in Oregon. Oh yeah. Named after like the small shrubs that there probably grow go. near there. Yeah. Okay. 
So you get these kind of uh, oak, chaparral, uh, manzanita kind of things that are really low growing in the south. As you go north, they kind of get taller and bigger, and you get bigger oak trees, and you get bigger what looks like manzanita, but is in fact a madrone. Mm. And then there's a, a bunch of other species of trees in there, but suffice it to say, they're trees that can take a lot drier conditions. So the madrone will grow in these really dry conditions. The biggest difference in how they survive down there as opposed to the the island habitat is that fires come through all the time and as we've discussed the madrone has almost no no thick bark on it the bark will peel off really quickly so you would think well well, that's no good in fire and you're 100 percent right Madrones are absolutely horrific at fire. They go Uh-oh. up in flames quickly. <laughs> they, oh my god! They just like, hey, whatever, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> they just burn up. <laughs> or if they don't burn up, they just die because their bark just gets scorched really quickly. Wow! But that's what's, so that's so madrone, man. It's they don't, so madrone. They don't care. They don't care. All the oaks, all the Douglas firs, and the pines are like, no, we got to get really thick bark. We got to survive this one. Yeah. Yeah, and the madrones just get swept away with the emotion of it all. Madrones are, are sounding more and more like Crush from Finding Nemo. <laughs> oh, wait, the is that the... Turtle? Yeah, the sea turtle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say, though, the sea turtle is going with the current rather than up the current. And, and madrones I feel like, are going up the I feel current. like madrones would kind of go against the current a little okay, bit. Okay, you know fa- I mean? fair enough, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, I also did put on like a little bit of a surfer accent there, so I might have <laughs> egged you on that way a little bit more. I don't know. We're also talking California. Yeah, okay, that is true. Good point. So um, they, they just get burnt up, Alex. And when they get burnt up, instead of just kicking it and being like, you know what, I'm done, finished, I got burnt off, Yeah, they just immediately sprout back. Wow, new roots, new shoots. New roots, new shoots. Actually, old roots, new shoots. Okay. Because they will routinely, let's say you have like a two-foot diameter one. Okay. It burns up, becomes this like complete scraggly thing from the base where that tree uh, still has intact roots. It will send up a bunch of new shoots. Then the middle, if uh, well, what happens is a lot of times because it's so decay resistant that the middle will actually just burn up and it'll just sit there and keep burning and burning and it'll become this little hub and it'll be essentially a an inverse stump where there's like a big open area that just has burned and there's like a a crater Whoa. with a little bit of wood around it of yeah. like this you know the, this charred thing. From those charred remains come new shoots from the madrone, and you can get big circle madrones where you have like 20 or so shoots coming up from a tree that used to be there. They've all sprouted around the edge of the old stump and have become now one gigantic big tree in their own right. In uh, in sequoia terms, uh-huh. is it sequoia? Hmm. This is like a fairy ring type yes, thing. Yes, uh, in redwood terms. Redwood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's exactly the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, where they would chop down a huge ass redwood, like a what, like twenty foot diameter or yeah, something. something huge. And if they would sprout around the outside, yeah. And so, in however many years, you would have a big ring of redwoods. It's exactly it. Perfect, perfect explanation. Thanks. So that is what these trees do, and then they grow out and they get really big because if they're growing <clears throat> in the open, they just grow outwards. Yeah. In every direction. Right. So you get this big, massive canopy tree. But other times they survive fire because as they are growing up and fire just comes around them, they are really tough at just living. Mm. Do you remember when we talked about the, uh, what are those big trees that grow at the top of the everything's, the bristlecone pines? Yeah. 
So bristlecone pines have this way of growing, which is essentially a compartmentalized growth habit, hmm. um, where the, the term that they usually use is escaping me at the moment. But essentially, if there's a branch that is above a certain root, that root and that branch is connected by what is happening uh, just right there. There's one oh. layer of cambium. So it doesn't... Um, uh, it doesn't have things that go around the stem. So if there are 30 roots, each one of those essentially has a direct line straight up to whatever branches are above it. Right. So if you kill 29 of those kind of, you know, conducting areas, then the one that's left will continue to live for as long as it possibly can. But like just on that one side. Just that where one it side, is, yeah. yeah. At six o'clock. Exactly. Now, madrones don't do that to the, the same exact extent as bristlecone pines. Mm. But what they do, in fact, do is just constantly live like one little branch will be popping out and be like i'm still here yeah and it won't give up the ghost and so if you have a tree that's growing like that slowly but surely it will rebuild itself and then wow. you'll have this weird looking like half dead thing that's growing out but because it's such a decay resistant tree if no fires come through or if a fire is killed just a little bit of the side of it because it wasn't a really intense fire that went all the way up into the canopy or something mm -hmm. Then you're just going to get this tree that is slowly closing over all of the wounds that wow. have happened to it. And I can tell you, they almost never fall over. It's a stunning thing. The only time I think I've ever seen one fall over, just rip itself out of the ground, at least in you know a, an urban area, is after it has been dead for like two to three years. Dead for two to three years, wow. it will just pop itself straight out. Like they're notorious about decaying right at the base where it turns into roots. Yeah. Then it'll fall over and then it won't decay for a really long time, but it won't ever decay. Well, it will, but over a very long period of time, actually standing straight up. That's incredible. Yeah. Really tough trees. And that's what they do. And they do this from essentially British Columbia all the way down to Baja, California. Wow. They just. They just grow, and they do this in all these different places, and then species very similar to them, like the Texas and the Arizona madrone, do this in other places in wherever there is just enough water, mostly at higher elevations, um, all the way down through Mexico and into Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, the entire Southwest. BC to Baja, that's a pretty that's a pretty good latitudin latitudinal range, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Like, usually, aren't trees usually found more like longitudinally yes exactly <laughs> wow. Long, wow how do you say that word latitudinally long longitude and long, lat yeah longitudinally yes i think that sounds good let's like, go longitudinally longitudinally yeah i like i like doing a, a hard g <laughs> like they'll grow you know they'll grow in like a band across the world yeah exactly but these are like these are pretty prolific uh vertically yeah and when you think about the differences from the subtropical yeah. baja california all the way up to the intensely not tropical <laughs> southern British Columbia. Yeah. You really find that these trees are spectacular survivors. That's incredible. Now, I will note that there are there is a little bit of difference in terms of genetics, you know? Oh, sure. If you took one of the subtropical trees and you put it up here, it would probably be more of a deciduous tree, but I bet you it would survive. Yeah. But if you took the non-evergreen ones and moved them down, I would be curious to see if they would say, yeah, I'm just going to be 100% great all the time as long as they get water, never drop their leaves ever at all. Yeah. I don't know. Casey? I think this is a great time to get into our review. I think it sure is. Uh, I, I'm still just like stunned about this tree. 
I am too, Casey. I don't want to. I don't want to tip my hat at all, or Ooh. tip my. Uh, what's that? What's that phrase? Tip your top. I don't want to tip my top yeah, or anything. Yeah. I say it very commonly. <laughs> Here's how it works. We're gonna give some final thoughts on the drone and then give it a rating of zero to ten golden cones of honor. Casey, as our resident expert, will begin with you. All right, Alex. This is a hard one for me. Is it? It's really hard. I don't. I I don't get that impression. All right, that's fair. That's fair. It's not hard. You I seem love to be a, a fanboy. This tree, actually, I it it's one of my favorite trees. Whenever I see it in the in the wild, in yeah. like a unique space, I'm always like, yes, you mm. rock the coolest tree. Everyone get out of the way. But then I'm like, nah, you don't need to get out of the way. The madrone is going to do it anyway. It's competed successfully with every species of tree that we could throw at it from Baja to BC. Yeah. Right on the coast where it is the hardest place to be a plant that isn't a Douglas fir. Wow. So I'm like, okay, you can get a little bit, a little, little bit of credit for that. It's not a big tree. Of course, it doesn't have very many superlatives. Mm, you do um, love a superlative tree. It might have like the most prettiest bark. Yeah, for sure. I was also going to say like tough it like n- n- yeah. most uh why would you live there-ness. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that there's that that there's the stamp. You got to get that. Can we put that on like a a little metal that we could put on these trees? <laughs> why would you live there? Yeah, yeah. Most <laughs> most why would you live there-ness tree or something like that. Yeah. Well, that all adds that all adds to it. So I honestly, I think the madrones are the coolest thing. The biggest downfall, my the one thing that I'm like, "Oh, you would be one of the best possible trees to plant almost anywhere <clears throat> except for two things. Hmm. One, it's very hard to transplant. Okay. Don't really know why, but it just does not like to be picked up and moved to a different spot. Wow. I have my theories. I think there are not enough mycorrhizal fungi. I know that this tree is a, as most trees, has a resident fungal association, and I don't think that it necessarily finds that everywhere. Mm. So that's one thing. The other thing is that it is very susceptible to a lot of diseases. Uh, so it's a tree that is like not a city slicker. It, even though I, it, I, that's all I want it to be. Whenever you see one in the city, don't go near it. See it from afar because <laughs> it's probably almost about to die like every single day. You might give it something. Yeah, you might. Yeah, don't sneeze on it. Don't don't look at it. Wear your gloves if you're going to touch it. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Touch trees without gloves. Those like those like uh dust those like uh dusting gloves that like antique dealers wear. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, do it with that. You don't <laughs> only pick up the leaves like that. Um, but otherwise, it's just it's an amazing tree in mm-hmm. every regard. If you can find some of the biggest ones in uh, Washington, they're big everywhere. I don't get them. They're most fantastic trees. 9.2. Yeah. 9.2 for all the right. Pacific Madrone and 9.0 for all the other Madrones out there. There we go. 9.2 Golden Cones of Honor. Love these trees. For the Pacific Madrone from renowned dendrologist Casey Clapp. You got to go find them. Amazing. Alex, what do you think? I know that this tree, in my opinion, according to what you have alluded to me, is a tree that you think uh-huh. is pretty cool. Somehow I followed that. Yeah, it's because it was very clear, Alex. <laughs> uh, I love the Madrone. I think it is. Uh, it has a ton going for it. And if you want to know what I think it has going for it, 
rewind back to the beginning of this episode and listen to it all again. <laughs> That's what. I like that. Like, re- like referencing your own episode at the end of yeah. the episode. Yeah. This is how we get multiple listens, <laughs> yeah. Casey. Now, if you want more information on the Madrone, uh, just press that back 15 about 400 times. <laughs> First, make sure you listen to both ad breaks. Yeah. <laughs> That's all we actually want you to do. <laughs> listen to the first two minutes of the show. Skip ahead until uh-huh. about the half hour to 45 minute mark. Yeah. <laughs> listen for 20 seconds. Yeah. And then go home. Learn about trees. You learn about Anchor. You learn about BetterHelp.com. <laughs> That's all you got. <laughs> uh, Casey, when we did our creative mornings mm-hmm. thing with creative mornings. Yes. During the Q&A, somebody asked us, what tree do you think best represents your Mm co-host? You said that Alex is a madrone. I did. I said that. And you you gave a few reasons. I won't say them now. Go back and listen to our episode on uh, Creative Mornings. Yeah, I think it's on YouTube, the whole thing, including the Q&A. I was incredibly touched. You, you, You gave such nice reasons, and... Uh, the more I learn about it, the more touched I am. Um, I feel I felt very seen. Mm-hmm. And now that I know more about the Madrone, I'm giving this rating to not only the Madrone, but to myself. <laughs> 9.5. 9. 9.5 for the Madrone. Yeah. Alex, I have to ask. Huh. How come you couldn't get yourself all the way up to a 10 out of 10? I don't have it in me, Casey. It's your hubris. Too much self-lo- self-loathing. Look at that. No, 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 no. no wrong, wrong thing. Not hubris. It's not hubris is the wrong word. It's your humility. Um, is what I said. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. yeah. I think I can't that's quite it. go there. Uh-uh. Um, yeah. Nine point five. Easy. Easy. Nine point five. Goes its own way, baby. Yeah, man. And speaking of songs, like you can go your own way. Mm-hmm. I have a song to play. <gasps> oh my god, that's right. How long has it been? It's been a long time. Holy heck. Because the Madrone, if you, this is your first time listening and you're wondering what the fuck is going on, because the Madrone got a plus nine cone score from both Casey and I, it is officially inducted into the Golden Arboretum of Honor. With that comes the induction song, the Golden Arboretum theme played by me on my melodica. This is always my favorite part, Alex. When I... When I uh, awkwardly try to get my melodica out of its case, yeah, because we never know when this is going to happen, so you don't you don't always have it ready. <laughs> so then, when it does happen, we have to scramble into it. Yeah, I usually have to run across the room to grab it. Yeah, to the madrone, we honor you. There you have it, Casey. Oh, I'm just tickled every single time that happens. Congratulations, Madrone. You deserve it. A wonderful tree. Spectacular. Honestly, I, I, this feels right. This feels right, and I think next time we need to cover a tree that we can really you know, bring down to its knees. <laughs> so. A sub-three-cone tree. <laughs> yeah. It's been a long time. <laughs> Casey, it's time for the Completely Arbitrary Q&A, and this week we have a voicemail. How about that? Oh, yes. Let's hear it. Hey, Casey and Alex. Hi, Casey and Alex. Um, We have a question for you. We're driving along the highway, and we were wondering 
how do evergreen trees stay green all year? Yeah, we are Davis and Julia, and we ask that question. We love listening to your podcast. We listen to it every time we drive. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. So bye, cool. bye, Casey and Alex. Bye. You heard it here first, Casey. Our podcast is wonderful, awesome, and so cool. Yes. That was Davis and J- Julie. I Julia. So. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Thanks, guys, for your voicemail, Casey. Thank you. What do you think? This is such a fun question. Yeah, uh, it's one of those things that you never that you just sort of accept and never think about. Yeah, right. And a lot of people <clears> are like, oh my gosh, and oh yeah. Well, I have two answers. Okay. So the first one is this depends on where you are. So I will assume that they were driving on the highway in the middle of the Amazon forest. Those yes. trees. <laughs> Good assumption. I was like, just keep going, Casey. Don't let Alex question you. <laughs> you know when you know when you record a voice memo on an iPhone, yeah. and it says it, it automatically names the voice memo where it was recorded. Oh, I did not know that. Like if I record my well, I won't say the name of my apartment complex, but if I if I record something here, it'll say it'll say the name of my apartment. Oh, as the okay. default name before I see. you change it to something else. Gotcha. Their voice memo that they sent us is called I seventy five South. I-75 South? Yeah. Wait, okay, hold on, hold on. I, I hope they're okay with us giving this information. Well, I, we assume that I-75, oh, it's a huge one. It's a it's a north-south uh, freeway that goes from Florida through Georgia to Tennessee, Kentucky, Indiana, Ohio, through Michigan. Um, so we have no idea where they are. However, we can guess that they are either on the Upper Peninsula in Michigan, where there are lots of evergreen trees, or they're further south in Georgia and Florida. That is a With, huge interstate. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. It's gigantic. Uh, it's the breadth of the country. It really is. I'm trying to think. Yeah, it must be bigger than... Uh, well, I wonder if it's more than I-5. Because I-5 goes all the way from Mexico up to BC. So, right. Mm, that is a big one. Anywho. So, um, if you if let's say their, their iPhone said that they were in the middle of the Amazon rainforest, those trees are green because they are green leaves. And green leaves, of course, have chlorophyll in them. Yeah. Now, they would have, uh, each leaf has a couple different layers from the dermis to the subdermis to the cortical or cuticle on top of that. So there's a bunch of different layers of protection that a leaf puts on it. So if water hits it, water doesn't just smash straight through, you know, and destroy all the cells and everything. Cells have cellulose that creates the cell wall and that is rigid. Unlike um, human uh, cells, we don't have any cell walls that are rigid, so we can move around. Plants don't have an exoskeleton. So each one of their cells is hardened on the outside in and of itself, at least uh-huh. most of the, the plant cell walls. Okay. So um, inside of those cell walls, inside the leaves, are the chloroplasts. Inside each individual chloroplast is a bunch of chlorophyll, which is a pigment. That pigment is what is green. It absorbs all the other colors of um colors of the forest or colors of the spectrum and it emits it bounces back and does not absorb it reflects out green which is why we see green right so um all those are just in the cell wall if you have just like a nice little layer on the outside that's maybe has a little bit of wax on it but just enough to like protect it make it airtight you're good to go however it does not make that tree really tough because it's growing in really good conditions it's just sitting there it's green and it's chilling As you go up and you find trees that have to deal with really cold conditions, you get a little bit of change to that. 
Most trees will take two different routes. One will be deciduousness. They will have these same kind of not very protected leaves, but what they'll do is just drop them and let them completely go away and they restart and put out new leaves the next year. I have a really fast question oh. to, to kind of shoehorn in the middle of this. Go get it. And I want a really fast answer okay. to match. Are there deciduous tropical trees? Yes. Okay. So what happens, it's, uh, it's only heat though. When, it get, when they go into the dry season, it gets too hot for them. Then they go, oh, we're going to drop our leaves so we don't lose water. That's very curious. The reason why I add that in, Alex, is because it's the same thing up north. When it gets really cold, mm. most of the time winds are blasting through, <laughs> and those winds will pull water right out of a leaf that isn't protected. Oh, wow. It will also get really cold so that the leaves themselves, if they're not well protected with two things, the individual water crystals inside the cells will actually expand and turn into these little crystals that are like shards of glass that ripped all the cells apart. Shit. If you take any of your tropical plants out here and you put it out in the middle of wintertime, um, they'll start to rot really fast because the cells can't basically fight back the cold and they either disease comes in really quickly or if it freezes, all of their cells literally explode and they can't actually do anything and they die really fast. Jeez. Lose all the protection. So with the evergreen trees do is they thicken the cuticle and they add a waxy layer on the outside. Wow. What that does is that helps seal it in, uh, seal all the water in so the water doesn't just, you know, randomly fly out of its stomata for whatever reason. And so the leaf is extra protected. And that's why if you look for a, if you want to tell an evergreen leaf versus a not evergreen leaf in an area that is seasonal, um, let's just say up here in the Northern hemisphere where there's a lot of that kind of thing, you're going to get really thick, really waxy, really dark green leaves, as opposed to, let's say the larch, which is a deciduous conifer, same with the, um, the Don Redwood and the bald cypress. Yeah. Each of them have needles that are really soft, they're lighter green, and they don't have that really tough cuticle and waxy layers on the outside. So that is what keeps them really tough and really uh, water-resistant the whole year long. They also have a lot of sugary sap and different chemicals that are inside of their veins that act as a bit of antifreeze. So even when it gets really, wow. really cold, it's essentially, yeah, it's so packed full, just like maple syrup. Or what maple sap? It's not syrup yet. Hey, it might as well be. Might as well be. It's on its way <laughs> to those, my belly. Those little guys, uh, those trees, well, awesome. just like any other tree, they have so much sugar dissolved in their sap that it essentially makes it like an antifreeze, and it can move through. It has to have a lower point of getting cold. Uh, a lower freezing temperature yeah. than just our normal thirty-two degrees Fahrenheit or zero degrees Celsius. What it sounds like. Is that evergreenism yeah. is like a strategy. That is exactly right, Alex. They will take all of this effort, adapt to these really tough climate changes or climate conditions, and make everything really strong, and they add a lot of energy and time and effort per each leaf. Yeah. So what that does is that is a lot of effort for one leaf. So they say, we want this leaf to last as long as possible. I have one more follow-up question. Go. When fresh, uh, let's say, fur growth mm -hmm. comes out in the spring, mm -hmm. it's kind of a light, soft green, and the, yes. and the, and the, the needles themselves are very soft and kind of like um, rubbery feeling. Yeah, totally. 
uh, I'm assuming that that fresh growth doesn't have that waxy coating yet. Exactly right, Alex. When do, so the older needles mm-hmm. or the older leaves, do they have that waxy coating on year round? Is that something they like a like a bar mitzvah they have when they're young and then they have it forever? <laughs> yeah, that's or, pretty much it. Okay, so those those young needles will grow that waxy outing. Yes, and then they'll just have that until the tree dies. Till kingdom come. Yeah. Okay. Usually, trees that are evergreen will keep these leaves for a few years. So the ponderosa pine and a bunch of white pines, for instance, will keep their needles for two to three years. So instead of having branches like the uh, bristlecone pine that can keep them for like 25 years. Yeah. They're kept for only a few years. So you have this running kind of tally. The branch comes out year one. <clears throat> then you have that much. The next year, you now have another branch that comes out, another twig elongation. And now you have two sections of one twig. One is from year one. The other is from year two. When the year three ones come out, then the year ones will die and fall away. Mm. So you constantly have like a running tally of always two. One is from last year, one's from the year before. The one from the first year will fall away as the ones from the, actually, usually it's in the fall after the third year comes out. So you essentially just have this running tally, but evergreen doesn't mean they hold them forever just for X amount of years before they go away. Right. It's a bit of a misnomer. Yeah, just a little bit. So it's um, it's really fascinating. And like I was saying, this is an evolutionary, or like you were saying, pardon me. Wow. This is an evolutionary strategy. It's an Who, adaptation. Who's the resident expert now? Honestly, yeah. I'm going to start asking you to give, uh, give different uh, cone ratings first. Please don't. <laughs> Thank you so much for your question, Davis and Julie. Did we settle on Julie? I think we did, yeah. Cool. If you have a question about trees, email us at arbitrarypod at gmail.com, A-R-B-O-R-T-R-A-R-I-P-O-D dot at gmail.com. Join us on Instagram at arbitrarypod for all sorts of fun things, Casey. That's right. If you want to support this pod and get bonus content, Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. You can join the Arboretum and get two bonus episodes a month or the Cone of the Month Club and get a unique die-cut cone sticker illustrated by an independent artist sent to you every month. Casey, clap. Alex, I have an update. What is the update? The length of I-75 is 1,786 <laughs> miles. The length of Interstate 5 on the West Coast is only 1,381. Oh, they've got us beat. They've got it beat. It is a very, very long road. What a way to end the show. Just want to make sure we covered all of our bases. Uh, Casey. Alex. Great to see you, pal. Great to see you. Have a wonderful week, and uh, we're going to talk soon. Hell yeah, we are. Bye bye. We, we, we've never done bye this bye before. Bye bye. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Completely Arbitrary. We'll see you next time. Bye bye. Later. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>